sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome into Diamond Bank. It is the top of the hour, 9 a.m. Eastern time here. My name's Matt. His name is Joe. We're running down Major League Baseball and trying to pick out different ways that we can make some money here on Diamond Bet. So, Joe, minor league season has started up. Uh, some of these names we're going to talk about, what's the likelihood that they could impact our wagering this season in Major League Baseball? Well, there's actually a handful that I think might, uh, very much so. Two in particular, uh, one being Jerry Kalenic and the other one being Wander Franco. But you're right, Matt. It's nice to have the minor league season also kick off after last year having no minor league season during the pandemic. And uh, look, so far, the Reds pitching is showing out. I mean, take a look at those Reds starters that they got coming through this system. It's kind of scary. That guy throw a no-hitter this weekend. But Hunter Green hits 100 miles an hour on 37 of his pitches, eight strikeouts in those five innings. Nick Lodolo of the Reds, too, 10 Ks in five innings. So, Luis Castillo, you better get the ship right, baby, because there's some kids coming to take your job. Wander Franco off to a hot start for the Rays. We talked about him last hour. I want to touch on this again. He had homer his first game, a couple hits in the second one. The guy just is a hit machine. I'm telling you, this guy is just – he's the real deal. And as soon as we get to see Wander Franco start making investments in him. Then, of course, you got Jared Kalanick, who homered twice in his Triple A debut. He should be with the Mariners, I would think, sometime in June. My guess is Wander Franco, Jared Kalanick, probably get somewhere around 50 at-bats and then get the call. I mean, I think that sounds like a good number. Give him 50 at-bats. Let him kind of you know get really solid footing in terms of timing under them and then move them up. There's just nothing left for them to prove. The fan bases deserve to see their talents on that major league level now, okay? If you're the Rays, you can't compete with the big boys in terms of giving up big prospects and bringing in big names. So what you can do is bring up your big prospects and make an impact, and the longer you wait to do that, the more this division could possibly get away from you. So you're in a dogfight right now for that East. The Yankees are playing better. The Red Sox have played well. The Blue Jays certainly can compete with everybody. But I'm telling you right now, Wander Franco is a piece that could be a difference for them. And when it comes to Jared Kalenic, this is another player where maybe the Mariners aren't competing necessarily, but they have to start showing the fan base some good fortune here. They have to start showing some of the fruits of the labors of losing because they've done nothing but lose year and year and year after year. And now Jared Kalenic is part of that thing with Julio Rodriguez, part of that new group that's coming to yeah. fix everything, hopefully. So the sooner we get him, the better. And then, of course, Adley Rutschman, the uh, catcher for the Baltimore Orioles. He started off double-A with a bang, too. He had a home run earlier this week, so that's good news. So these are some of the bigger prospects in baseball. Well, you know, what are your thoughts on some of these guys? Because those Reds pitchers right now, and we keep talking about those Reds being a team that if they could just figure out things, and every week we sit here and we see the potential, and then we see the, the folly as well because Castillo's not been good. Gray's been good. Wade Miley comes out of nowhere. He pitches great. Amir Garrett's now suspended. Like it's this constant yo-yo effect with Cincinnati. So right. what do you make out of some of these minor league stats here and some of these names and who you think is going to make an impact? 
So the first thing I look at is I see you have like Adley Rutschman down, double A. Okay, cool. I'll have him out of the corner of my eye, but I'm moving forward. When guys start to produce at the triple A level, and you made a good point, that 50 to 75 at bat range, I start to look at the position that they play. And then I start to look at the position that is held on the team that I'm talking about here. Because I can make some type of profit off of knowing that that player knows, that I know, that you know, that this kid's coming. And we talked about it in the segment before with regards to Adamus and Franco. Same thing applies. And the Mariners, look, the Mariners, there's money to be made there. And anyone that's been riding those, I'm here in New York, those late West Coast games, especially out in Seattle, there have been some doozies out there that you really have been profiting off of. There's been some players on that team you could profit off of. You add Kalanick to this lineup, and, and you add that just that feeling of maybe we can, maybe Houston's vulnerable, maybe the Angels aren't as good as we think. Oh, look, Oakland's streaking, but they're also streaky. All of a sudden, there's money to be made in Seattle. So that's how I look at all of these minor league ramblings and what the players are doing. I kind of fade out the noise until they're at AAA, until they really show me they're ready. They're knocking. And then from there, I look at who's going to open the door, make the switch. Here's my money. I think you hear me knocking, and I think I'm coming in. I'm bringing Wander Franco and Jared Kalenic with you, okay? That was my favorite. I love those old Dennis Leary commercials back in the day. Old school Dennis Leary, top notch. His top notch, no cure for cancer, one of the great comedy bits ever, I want to say, right? I mean, that's a great stand-up special. I think we could all agree on that. So, yeah, that's uh, those are some of the guys that are knocking on the door, like Matt said. And I'll tell you what, you know, Jared Kalenic is one of these players that I think is widely accepted as one of the most polished guys out there in minor league baseball who's ready mentally to to make that jump to the major leagues. A lot of people thought he would break with the club and actually be there from day one. Injury kind of killed that, and now he's healthy, and now he's hitting, and the rest, as they say, will be history most likely. So those are some of the guys to keep an eye on, and we'll keep updating you every week too about some of these names and some of the, these, these prospects because it's going to turn some of these organizations around quickly. And going back to the Rays, too, with Wander Franco, like I know we've talked about a lot. It just feels like, Matt, that's the guy that you can add if you're the Rays and change your stars yeah. a little bit. And I think they kind of need to. I mean, a Rosarena, nice player. Meadows is a nice player. But Wander Franco looks like he might be able to be a, a franchise player. And that's the thing. Going back all the way to Evan Longoria, I can't remember the last time they had one. Huh. Wow, look at that. And you mentioned Evan Longoria, who's doing it now for San Francisco. We're going to talk about the Giants when we come back on the other side here. But you do make a great point. And again, as a better, I'm just looking for opportunity. And this situation in Tampa, to me, I see opportunity. Yeah, the Rays just will not go away. I'm telling you, if Wander Franco shows up too, get the dollars out and start spending them. When we come back, we're going to look ahead to the week in baseball, some of the matchups we've got our eyes on. You should have yours on as well. So don't go anywhere. More Sports Grid right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Welcome back into Diamondback. Reminder, if you missed anything, each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, Joe Pizzapia and myself, Matt Stryker, come your way talking about the landscape of baseball. Now it's time to look at the week ahead and see where we can't start to glean some early leans. Joe, I'll start. Cardinals at the Brewers. The way it shakes out, it should be Kim versus Peralta, Gant versus Woodruff, Flaherty versus the returning Burns. Can the Brewers and their bullpen take two or three from the Cardinals? I don't know, but uh, I want—I like this gleaning <laughs> and the gleaming stuff that you got going on. Lots of gleaning and leaning, and I love that. It's one of my favorite skateboard movies from the 80s. Uh, so the, the Cardinals – <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Cardinals and Brewers is a fascinating matchup because, look, we talk about all the pitching matchups, but Christian Yelich ain't there. So if these right. pitchers don't perform above their expectations, you're getting the three big ones here, right? You're getting Peralta, Woodruff, yeah. and Corbin Burns, right? So you're getting these three pitchers. If you can take two or three right now if you're the Cardinals uh, or even sweep them potentially – my goodness, look out. I We talked about in hour one about the Cardinals as an investment to win this division now that Yelich is out. And maybe one player shouldn't mean that much. But in this particular instance, I think one player does mean that much to this lineup because the rest of the lineup is the dregs. Keston Hurek got sent down last mm-hmm. week. We didn't even talk about that, right? He got sent right. down. Let's hope he figures things out. He was on three down a couple times. And what did we say about him? Where's the old Keston Hero? Where's the guy that's hitting the ball and spraying the ball over the place, hitting doubles, looks like a batting champion and waiting? We didn't see that guy at the major league level for the last two seasons. Now there's nobody left here. And as good as this pitching is, my heart breaks for these Brewers fans who might lose some of these games 2-1 or 3-1 because it feels like they're going to have a hard time, even if these pitchers are great and give up a run or two, they could still come out with L's. Now, look, maybe they'll scratch and run together. Baseball's a crazy game. Maybe it's going to be 8-7, all these games, right? You never know. But if you are the Cardinals, too, I think you look at this. You got Flaherty in that one spot, but Gant walked a million guys in this Met game this past weekend when he faced the Mets. And then on top of that, you got Kim, who's the only lefty in this rotation currently. And this is why I keep kind of pounding the table here for the Cardinals to make a move. Because I think if you're the Cardinals, you should smell blood in the water in this division. And with Christian Yelich on the shelf, with the Reds scuffling, with the Cubs looking to unload everybody as soon as they can, with the Pirates having a bunch of quad A players basically in their lineup right now in a complete rebuild, why wouldn't you go out there, go get a John Means, go get some other starting pitcher that might be on the block, be first to market here, because I think you are, even in these matchups here where you're going to go against the Brewers with that kind of pitching, all of a sudden you add John Means, you add some other big-time pitcher potentially to that rotation, it's a very different setup potentially, and you should dominate everybody if you do. That's my thoughts on this week, and this is a very important series to keep an eye on because if the Brewers do come out with one win or less, this could be a downward mm-hmm. spiral very quickly, I think, for the Brewers. Mm-hmm. I think the marquee matchup everyone's going to look at, obviously, Flaherty and Burns. So now let's shift our attention to a team that we talked about in hour one. It's a team that if you've been riding them just as a wagerer, God bless you because you are killing it. Kansas City Royals visit the Chicago White Sox. And the way that the rotation shakes out, this is an alliteration series. It's Lynch versus Lynn, game one of a doubleheader. Then Junit versus Kopech in the second game. This is everything constant. Minor versus Giolito and then Singer against Cease. So four games will really show you if the Royals are for real. Yeah, I think they are going to. Now, what's interesting here is that the Royals have an opportunity – with a weakened Chicago White Sox lineup 
to maybe steal some thunder here from the White Sox. This is a big series, and I know it's only May, and we shouldn't say series are big series, but they kind of are because they set the tone. You know, we talked last week about that Yankees-Astros series maybe setting the tone for the Yankees a little bit and kind of sparking them, and I think it did. And the same goes here with the Royals. The Royals look at the top and say, hey, we're competing with everybody here, and the White Sox are not at full strength. Let's go out there and let's take this series. Taking this series mentally, I think, goes a longer way for the White Sox, for the Royals, excuse me, than it does for the White Sox. Now, yeah. the White Sox certainly, I think, on paper, you like having <laughs> Lance Lynn and Kopech and Gilito and the way Cease has pitched. We talked about him in his last three games. The guy's been lights out. So the pitching matchups all favor the White Sox. But let's not dismiss how, you know, Brady Singer's been good at times. Miner's been good. You're not going to get Danny Duffy in this one. Uh, and Junis is coming back in from the bullpen. Lynch uh, came in and took over, made his debut last week. And Junis ended up, who's pitched very well, going to the bullpen. He was not happy about it. So he's going to be back in for this doubleheader in the second game. But, Matt, when you look at this series, do you just invest in the White Sox pitching and say, whatever, they'll, do, they'll have enough offense? Or do you look the other way and say, maybe there's some money to be made where everybody is on the favorite of the White Sox because of the pitching, but maybe just maybe the competitive nature of these Royals pitchers and that offense is enough to pull off a couple upsets here. So as a wager, full disclosure, this season I'm up. So remember that when I'm talking to those of you that are down, always just be cautious. But I'm up and I know a few things. One, if you do not think the Kansas City Royals have this entire series circled on their calendar, you're crazy. That rabid Royals fan base, their baseball IQ. Remember, they're just down the road from St. Louis. Everyone gives Cardinal fans so much baseball IQ praise. And I'm a Cardinal fan. The Royals fans definitely are right of that same breath, if you will. They have it circled as well. I'm staying away just because, again, I'm mm -hmm. up and I don't like to give it back. But Royals fans, you watch. Because if your team shows you what you think you've seen all year against this White Sox club, all of a sudden you're going to be dancing in the streets and the Central is going to turn around. Because all the Royals need to do is sustain this for a little while longer. They can go on a losing clip and still get into the postseason. I know it's early, but those are my thoughts on a team like the Royals. I think you attack some of those K props too, uh, especially of Kopech. You'd probably want to go the over there. And I think of Giolito also. I think there's a negative stigma right now around Giolito because he's had that that bad start on Patriot Day against the Red Sox. And the other start after that wasn't great. Gave up a couple runs. Fine. Lucas Giolito still strikeout machine. Go look at the numbers. If you're getting any sort of discount or a nice number there on those K props for both of those guys, I would go over. Kopech is just scary in terms of velocity. So uh, the, the question is, how many innings does he give you this year? But I think they've actually managed him correctly. You know, being that guy on those, you know, double header days where you get him in to start or get in here, here and there when somebody's on injury, I think it's exactly the way to manage Kopech this season. So I want to give Tony LaRusso some credit for that because he took some heat earlier this week for not knowing the rules. And in all fairness, Tony, there are new rules, and I know you haven't managed since the since the 80s. So, all right, let's move on here. Uh, the Phillies and Blue Jays. I kid. It was the 90s. All right, I kid again. It was the 2000s. All right, let's go in here to the next series here, the <laughs> Phillies and Blue Jays. Uh, and here's why I'm circling this one, because we talked about Robbie Ray earlier. He's going to be going in this series. We talked about Aaron Nola and Velasquez and some of these other Phillies pitchers who may have been pitching better than people even realize. Nola obviously has pitched like an ace. He's going today. These are two teams that are right in the thick of their respective races. And I think this is probably going to be like that match of those guys who are trying to get from that mid card to that main event. 
And I think this is a really interesting proving ground for both of these teams because they're very evenly matched. They have good offenses. They at times have good pitching. The back of the rotations are questions. The bullpens are suspect. So this makes for a really interesting matchup between these two teams. If somebody comes out once again the better or sweeps this series, I think it does cause a little momentum for them, and it could kind of spiral itself throughout the rest of the month. So I am going to circle this Phillies-Blue Jays series. It is down there in the alternate site of Dunedin for the Blue Jays. But when you're looking at this setup here, we've talked about how good Ray has been. We talked about, obviously, Aaron Nola being a true ace. It's what you're getting out of Mats and Velasquez. Mats has come crashing down to earth. What are you going to get out of Anderson? I got to say, this is really kind of tough. This looks like two you know, fighters are just going to punch each other out there, and one of them is going to be left standing. Who do you think that is at the end of the day? At the end of the day, it looks like the Jays should take two of three from the Phillies the same way I didn't say it. I think Kansas City and the White Sox split. But some things jump out of me. At Dunedin, questionable bullpens, big bats, take overs in this series. Why not? There you go. Take some overs from Matt. And I like your stay away from that other series. I think that's a good bit of advice. Sometimes the best advice is just sit and hold and see how it unfolds. We come back, we're gonna talk a little fan duel action, so don't go anywhere. We've been on fire. Stick with us right here on Sports. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Folks, if you could hear the discussions that go on during the commercial breaks, to me, that's the show, Jerry, right there. The show about the show. All right, let's take it back to the show. Joe Pizzapia, you, my friend, are a wonderful man to have on the show. I have vacant of a segue, so let's just go to the FanDuel trends, because you've been hitting each and every week on this, all kidding aside, all aside. You've always been giving out one or two players that we come back the next week and we go, man, dude, you hit it again. DFS hit, all because of this player. Uh, last week, I believe it was Kyle Gibson. So uh, who do you have your eye on for this Kyle Gibson. You know how hard it was for me to say it's okay to invest in Kyle Gibson? Do you know how many years I had to undo of bad baseball in my brain to accept that it's a good trend to invest on? And he pitches for the Texas Rangers, and I still did it, and it hit. Oh, thank goodness, because if it didn't, I might not have made it to the show today. But, yes, there's some other trends and things you got to keep in mind and pay attention to. And the first one is, once again, looking for some offense and bad teams that's cheap. Look, the, the Tigers are not a good baseball team. I think we can all agree on that. They're going to have the moments. Even bad baseball teams are going to win 60 games. That's fine. But Imer Candelario, for the first baseman for the Tigers, is hitting the baseball. He's in the middle of the order. He's mm-hmm. probably going to come around 3K, 2.8, depending on any given night, somewhere in that range. And if you're looking to kind of cheap out at that first base position over on Fandle or look for a guy in utility, the good thing about Candelario is not only is he hitting the baseball, He's been making constant contact, but his price is also a little bit 
more suppressed. He's not an elite tier player. That's not what you're looking for. But he's got a high floor and a better ceiling than people realize. And if you use him in GPPs and tournaments, the interesting thing with Candelario is the roster percentage is going to be very low. So keep a good right. look at some of the matchups he's got coming up because this is a player that does have some power. This is a player that is going to put the ball in play, which is a lost art form as I raged about hour one in this program of why we're seeing so many no hitters because some guys just can't put the ball in play and change their approach with two strikes. Now, another player that's starting to tick upwards is actually a Kansas City Royal. It's Andrew Benintendi, who was a player that we both liked coming into the season. We thought still had some upside. We thought change of scenery would be good. Scuffled through the month of April. All of a sudden, month of May is starting to pick up. And the good news is the algorithm hasn't caught up. Now, here's the thing. You want to probably not play him against the lefties. But still, 2.7K, that's a pretty good investment. We were looking for that third outfielder on Fandle. Some good potential there for him. A player who can hit a home run. A player that can make some contact for you, but also can steal a base. So what I love is guys who can get points in different ways. And Ben Attendee's one of those dudes. Now, he's got an interesting match this week where a lot of premium pitching he's going against. But most of that premium pitching is right-handed. So keep that in mind. It might be a really nice oppo play where people won't roster him because look at all those White Sox pitchers. There's no way they're going to hit anybody. Lucas Giolito has given up some runs lately. Kopech's probably only got five innings in him. I think you can make a case for Benintendi in some of these games where it might not look great on paper, but in actuality might overperform, and you might even get him at a bigger discount. He could be 2.5 or 2.4 in some of those games because of the matchup on paper. So always take into account baseball is a game of streaks. And with these two hitters right now, they're on good streaks with good pricing. And that's the combination you like to take advantage of when it comes to FanDuel. I agree wholeheartedly. And I always tell everyone, especially when you're building these lineups, is you, you look at everything that's available to you. So you look at some batter versus pitcher. Or you look at, oh, this pitcher likes to throw this pitch. Hmm, this hitter does well or terribly against this pitch. You mentioned Candelario and being a middle-of-the-order guy. To get him at that salary, that's something I always look for. I always try to build my lineups with guys who are in the first two-thirds of an order. It just feels better to me, and if I can find that value. Granted, there are some 7-8-9 guys or 7-8 guys that I can play and justify, but if I can find a guy in the first six and his salary is nice, I can really build a winning lineup, especially with the bats. Now let's talk about the arms. Let's talk about some pitchers. And on FanDuel, you got to get the pitching right. <clears throat> That's numero uno because you got that one spot to do it in. So uh, yeah. we've talked about some of those pitchers that maybe you don't realize are pitching well. And I'm going to go with Anthony Descofani here. And you might say, well, Anthony Descofani, that doesn't get me very excited. Well, no, it doesn't. But an 8.1K salary should get you excited. And he's pitched pretty well on this run. The Giants don't get a lot of national attention. The Giants are a team that right now is still kind of in that middle of finding its identity and retooling or rebuilding, whatever the hell you want to call it nowadays. But Anthony Descofani, every one of the pitching nerds out there will tell you, and there's some really good ones, uh, some guys that I know we do a lot of shows with and, and I follow a ton and I have them on my shows on Fantasy Pros, guys like Nick Pollock and Alex Fast, those guys from Pitcher List, they'll tell you Descofani is one of their favorite guys and it's because he's a really good pitcher. Now, what you can do with a pitcher like this is take that 8K discount and look for the Colorado game. Look for the game that's got a lot of offense potentially in it and load up there. And all of a sudden that night, if Descalfani measures up okay, if he throws out, let's say, 35 or even 40 points, things go right for a win for him. My goodness, what a great return on investment at 8K or somewhere in that range. And it allows you to get in on some of those bigger offensive players. And I think that's that thing you're always looking to do. So is it a cash game investment? I don't know. It's kind of borderline. Probably not. 
But in terms of tournament play, I think Desclafani is a pitcher that you can use there and stack the right offensive moments when you're in Yankee Stadium, whether you're in Boston, whether you're in Colorado, one of those ballparks with a high run. You look what Vegas is telling you. What are the runs looking like that night? Oh, it's a very high total. Okay, let's go there and let's find a guy who's got good win equity who's going to pitch well. And one of those guys is Anthony Descofani, who, once again, one of these pitchers just doesn't get much credit. Him and Alex Wood for the Giants have pitched very well this year, very quietly. See, what I love that you do is in your justification of your thought, you also give lineup building advice. And when you talk about how you can find a pitcher like the Scalfani, an abbreviated salary, and then pick on some of the more obvious bats, boom, you have a winning lineup. Now, it hasn't caught up yet, but if Oscar Enoa could be a bat as well, I mean, he yoked a grand slam the other day, didn't yeah. he? I like Enoa for his strikeout ability. I think that alone at this salary is another guy that people should look at. Your thoughts? I agree. Uh, 8.3, somewhere in that range is probably was going to be this week. And as much as we make the joke about him hitting a grand slam, you know what? <clears throat> a pitcher who can swing the bat helps himself here and helps himself to yes. a little bit of a win and helps him also stay in a game potentially. Because if you're sitting there and it's the fifth inning and he's pitching well and some guys on, maybe you don't pinch hit for him. You know, this is still National League Baseball for at least this year. So I look at Yanoa as a guy that can actually help himself stay in games, help himself win games with that bat. And like you said, he's got some good strikeout potential. That's very important on Fandle. Pitches for a good team in the Braves. So I think this is a really interesting spot here because Charlie Morton, some of the guys for the Braves, have, they've counted on theoretically have struggled. And it's been guys like Yanoa and Ian Anderson who really kind of picked up the slack in their absence. So to me, you know, it was an interesting investment. Once again, more of a tournament play than a cash game play. But I do think if Marcelo Zuna is going to start to get hot, which he inevitably is going to, and he started to show some signs of life, obviously, this week. You know how good Freddie Freeman is. You keep an eye on Acuna. I know he, he hurt his widow pinky this week, so hopefully he'll be okay and he'll be able to play next week. But look, the Braves are a really good baseball team, despite a little bit of all or nothing in them. I think you know is one of these pitchers, once again, that there seems to be a, a general sort of unknown. And I think from an investment standpoint, people are a little afraid of that. It scares them off. I don't really know who this kid is. Go look at the trends. Go dig into the deeper stats. See who they are. And if you like the matchup, well, you know it could be a really good value and discount for all the same reasons that Desclafani. And one measure that he might be better in Desclafani is you've got a much bigger thump in that offense behind it. You got Freeman yes. and Acuna and Ozuna and Ozzy Albies and all these dudes who can put up some serious run support. That's the difference in these two. In some ways, you know, is even better investment than Descalfani. So once again, as great as it is to have the DeGroms and the Nolas and the Garrett Coles and the Biebers in your lineup, some of these guys you can make money with if you have the right bats to go along with it. Yeah, look, again, we talk about this all the time. You're right with it. Go against the public. Everyone knows about Bieber. Everyone knows about Cole. Everyone knows about FanDuel. So how do you separate yourself? Well, you go down to these players that you know at least, I want to say 70% of the users on there are just like, you know, you know what, you know. They have no idea. Good. Let the public do what it does. Because, Joe, you talk about all the time, the difference in building different kind of lines of I mean, cash games and tournament plays, things like that. It's these type of players that separate the us from the them <laughs> the us from the them i like that separation and, and and here's the thing too and i want to mention this to the folks out there because baseball is a very frustrating game in the daily world it's very different than nba 
it's very different than NFL. In the NFL, you have a certain number of touches you think every running back's going to get on certain teams, right? Uh, you know the quarterbacks against certain offenses are going to be good, all that sort of situation. The NBA, you know, the Beals of the world are going to get their shots. Certain guys are going to get their shots, right? But when it comes to baseball, the best guys fail 70% of the time, and some other nights they're failing 80% of the time. So the the margin for error is really, really thin. And that's why it's so important to get the pitcher right on FanDuel. You got one shot to do it. So if you can just get that right, then maybe you play one or two or three different lineups around it. And Mm -hmm. that's what you're looking to do. And I also always talk about the good chalk. I think that's something you don't, you don't fade away from as much uh, in baseball, even in tournaments as you might in some other situations in the NFL, you know, everybody's going to be in this game. So I'm going to be on this game instead because I think that's the sneaky option. Well, that's great. But the problem is a major league baseball, Matt, you know, you just want that good chalk to hit. And if it does, then it's going to be a good investment. You're going to get everything you paid for. And that's that's the struggle is people want to be different for the sake of being different. And what it creates is a lot of dead money in some of these bigger tournaments where you could actually make money with Shane Bieber in your lineup. And, you know, people are trying to be so different instead of trying to be so good. I think in baseball, when you're playing FanDuel, you have to kind of change your brain a little bit in that psyche. And if you can do that successfully, then I think you can have longer sustained success, playing five bucks, 10 bucks a day in that kind of situation. Now, when we move on next, we're going to talk about something very important. The questions that Chris Kofsky wants to ask us. So we've turned this segment (laughs) over to our producer, Chris Kofsky, in the last two weeks. Done a good job with it. We'll see if he can make it three for three. But he's going to ask us these important questions, these intriguing questions, the questions where he has his finger on the pulse of Major League Baseball. When we come back, we are going to give you the answers. Stick around, Diner Bets. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is Diamond Bet, a show for baseball fans by baseball fans with a focus on baseball wagering. Now, Joe Pizzapia, you're the author of the Black Book series. It's changed the way people invest in sports. So as we do each and every week right here on Sports Grid platforms and, of course, in SiriusXM, we ask you five questions. We call it rounding the bases. Now, the questions are populated usually by different members of our staff. But the past three weeks, our producer, Chris Kofsky, has populated the list. And there's something very intriguing about these questions. Uh, first and foremost, for our listeners out there, Chris Kofsky is our resident young person, so he likes to spell in emojis. I'm a former social studies teacher with a master's degree, so you can imagine how I feel about this. First question is, what do you, the letter U, make of the Dodgers, Dodger emoji, recent struggles, sad crying face? So let me interpret. Joe Pizzapia, what do you make of the Dodgers' recent struggles? Yeah, that's how I feel. Just like Joe's covering uh, his face. Pen, he's appalled. The red pen coming out for Matt Stryker this morning on Kofsky. Uh, uh, look, man. There, there, the... the 
the the Dodgers didn't have any trouble scoring runs yesterday, right? <laughs> it was a twenty five runs in that game yesterday. So, so yeah, look, the Dodgers are two games over five hundred. I think everybody thought they would be better. Kershaw looked better this start that he did obviously earlier in the week when it's the shortest outing of his career. Um, I think Walker Bueller, you know, is kind of slow on the uptake, but starting to pitch better over recent time. And Trevor Bauer is going to look great most of the time and then have one weird start or two. Uh, Urias has pitched very well. That's the guy that I feel like nobody's given that kid enough credit. But I'm going to go back to what we talked about earlier, which is this lineup. It's not the same lineup. And I know they scored a ton of runs yesterday, and that's going to happen sometimes. And, and Muncy's a good hitter, and, you know, Seager and Betts at the top are very good. But, you know, the bottom of this order here, when you got guys like Beatty and Lux, and, you know, Chris Taylor's a nice player, you can move around, stuff like that. What they're missing is the guy in the middle. And I think that's just really important. It's kind of like, do you remember when uh, Big Poppy got hurt, right? And Mookie Betts was there. Mookie Betts had that down year and there was no Big Poppy decided to retire. And all of a sudden the Red Sox offense just kind of collapsed. And then they brought back J.D. Martinez into the team, right? They brought him in. And all of a sudden the lineup just dazzled again. And I think people don't understand how important it is to have that dude, that guy, that Freddie Freeman, that Mike Trout, that whoever it might be. Okay, that Fernando Tatis, I don't care who it is, but the guy that you have to really account for, and I'm not saying Mookie Betts is not a guy you have to account for. He is, but in a different way. And I think when Cody Bellinger comes back healthy, I think you'll see this Dodger team take off. But look, it's a very long season. I think the Dodgers will be fine. I do expect them still to win this division, but Fandle's even telling you the confidence is waning a little bit. We saw that in hour one of the show, and if you missed it, you can go back and watch, but Matt, it is kind of telling that FanDuel is making some adjustments here on the Dodgers because maybe they're not quite the unbeatable juggernaut as we made them out to be on paper because you don't play games on paper, you play them on the field. That's right. All about market correction. Speaking of correction, I got my red pen out. Let's go to our second question written <laughs> by our producer, Chris Kowski. Is it concerning, yellow emoji face with the monocle thinking, how many players are landing on the IL hospital bed early in the – what is this beach winter early in the season, summer, winter, fall. Oh God, Chris, you're fired. That is awful. Is it concerning how many players are landing on the IL early in the season? Joe, please take this. From me. I can't. This bit works so well on the radio by comparison. Let me tell you, I get the, <laughs> so well on the radio. I'm describing uh, each emoji. I mean, come uh, on. You know, next week they're all going to be emojis on the TV graphics too. You know, Alex <laughs> is going to see this and have a field day. When is it concerning? Is it concerning that everybody's hurt? No. It's terrifying. It's terrifying to me that we are in the middle of May almost now, and we have so many guys on the IL. Uh, I actually looked into this. You're going to love this. On Spot Track, there's been over 4,800 days lost already in Major League Baseball to the IL. And yes, COVID does enter into that as well. But right. do you want to take a guess how much money that equates to? Just take a wild guess how much money has been paid out to guys on the IL in Major League Baseball. Wait, what year. was the number? What was the number? How 40, many days? Over 4,800 games lost. Over 4,800. So I'm going to go uh, uh, a million dollars a day. 4,800 million dollars. Almost $88 million has been paid out. Okay, the there you go. I was going to say 48 million, but wow. Amazing. But, yeah. yeah, no. Listen, so that's, so that's the problem. It's a giant problem. And what I don't get is. Okay, science has made everybody better, right? Everybody's training harder, training better, going to all these places where they're they're throwing balls sideways against the wall and doing all these things, and right. they're you know standing on one leg trying to hit a ball off of a cup, you know, with one hand. All this crazy thing, right? All this stuff going on, all off season long. 
Then they get to play Major League Baseball. And I don't understand how we could go back 20 years where, you know, the, these, you know, back in our day, guys used to break their fingers, not playing video games, but getting in bar fights, right? And they were out there on the field the next day. And I understand, look, there's more guaranteed money. So in terms of assets, everybody's being more careful. The 10-day IL, I think, had the inverse effect where people thought it was going to be a great thing where, you know, they would come back faster. But instead, no, everybody just goes on it for every little thing so the rosters can be a full strength. I think it's time to... I really am curious to see in that collective bargaining next year if that 10-day IL goes back to being 15 because I don't know if that's going to make the impact. I don't know if it's these guys are training too much because, Matt, you and I both know training muscles for playing baseball and playing baseball is not the same thing. You go back and you look at the body types of the guys in the 80s and the 90s, and I understand the, the game is faster and all that stuff. That's probably true to a certain extent but not to the degree you're getting the injuries you are here. So yeah, it's really concerning. It's bad for the product. It's a bad look for major league baseball and it doesn't make any sense because if everything is better, why can't guys go seven, eight innings regularly? And why can't guys stay on the field and hit? And now we're into May, you're gonna get all the lower body injuries. So every February, March, you get the oblique issues, all the side issues, the upper body. And now once guys start running around, you're getting all the lower body injuries you're getting. I am upset in case you couldn't tell. I think it's an inflated value, not only monetarily, but also egotistically. These people, these people, the athletes of today these are people. getting just amazing amounts of money. And then they realize if they feel a tweak in their knee or a kink in their neck, there's a lot of money involved here. Whereas back in the day, yes, there was a lot of machismo. You woke up, you rubbed some dirt on it, and you went back out there and did it again. But in a way, they are being a bit more fiscally responsible and perhaps they're being advised. Listen, why would you risk this? Something doesn't feel right. We have the luxury of science and time, which is the greatest commodity in the world. Why not use it? And that way the money will be there. So I hear and see the mentality, but as a wagerer, I just want to take advantage of what I see here. Moving on to the next question. Again, written by resident young person, Chris Kofsky. Which teammate, no emoji, is currently more deserving of an AL MVP there's a fish. Oh, gosh. Trout or Otani? I get it. Which teammate is currently more deserving of an AL MVP, Trout or Otani? Chris Kofsky, man, I got to tell you, you're a wonderful producer. You are a terrible, terrible <laughs> question writer. Joe, do oh, with I, it what I you want. Go fishing, my I think friend. the Otani was the O face emoji, I think, like this. Big O. I would, uh, I would have sat here forever. Like, Salvatore Dali? Like, what? Thank you. I, I would never have figured that I, out. I, that's okay. Uh, I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going to say Otani because he's pitching too. And I know he's effectively wild. And I've been saying this all season long. I don't know why it doesn't become the closer because there's no better place to be effectively wild than a closer because guys are going up there down three runs and they just want to go home. And that's just the fact. Like they're just going to go up there. They're trying to just like let it rip and see what happens. They're down three runs. Right. And a guy like Otani in a closer role would be lights out. Incredible. I don't know if you give up a run all season. Um, but look for, for all of his walks, he's still striking out a ton of guys. Nobody's hitting him when he does pitch and he's hitting the snot out of the baseball. And it's no offense to Mike Trout. I just, I feel like we're watching a really cool bit of history here and Otani's making it. And I hope he just stays healthy enough to throw a hundred plus innings. Cause if he does lock it up, he's the MVP. I'm sorry, boys and girls. It's just the way it looks to me. 
silence. I have dumbfounded Matt Stryker with this one. All right. Well, we, uh, we're going to go to our next question here uh, as Matt checks back in. So, Matt, I think you are back with us now. So, tell me your thoughts on Tani or Trout at MVP. My thoughts on is curious that I've been railing against our producer. Miraculous. All right. We're going to try to work on Matt's audio for a second here. He, uh, clearly, Chris got angry with all of the um, – all of the emojis that he worked so hard to put in there. And um, this is what happens. Chris Kofsky obviously just decided enough is enough. I refuse to be made fun of anymore. So I'll pick up the torch for you, Matt, and keep going. Question number four. Will the Giants continue their success throughout the season and make the playoffs? You know, the Giants are getting surprising starting pitching. And it would be a surprise to me if it lasted over 30 starts for all of these guys. Kevin Gossman's pitched well. We mentioned Descalfani before. Alex Wood has been really good since he came back. You know, this offense is kind of puzzling because Buster Posey's been all right. You know, some of these other guys at different times have stepped up. Yastrzemski's been on the IL. But the Giants kind of are a baseball team. They're a team that doesn't have stars, but they play the game well. They are fundamentally sound. The lineup is very... Um, user-friendly. They can configure guys in different positions and places and kind of move them around, and that's really kind of paid off for them. And plus, if you're getting good starting pitching, it's just the way it goes, especially in a pitcher-friendly environment at home where they are sometimes. So for me, when I look at the Giants, I look at a team that can be a 500 team. Now, a playoff team, that's a trickier bit. As a playoff team, I think you got to have some moments where you can have some huge runs, and I just don't know if they can get there. And I have a little concern about Alex Wood making 30 starts because it doesn't happen very often. I have some concerns about this lineup eventually getting found out. But as long as Longoria and Posey continue to hit, as long as they can continue to put up runs on the board and get some starting pitching, I think 500 is well within their graphs. So if you were somebody that had them in the over early in the win season totals when you're looking at somewhere in the 70s, you might like this when all is said and done. It's a, the uh, the Giants are doing enough right now to get that done. All right, let's go to the last question here. Question five. What team has been the most disappointing so far this season? Oh, my goodness. So many teams have been disappointing. You know, the Yankees were disappointing, but I think we've gotten past that. Um, the Mets offense clearly has been offensive and disappointing. I think we can get past that as well because the ebbs and flows. I'm going to throw this out there with the Cincinnati Reds and the National League, and I'll give you an American League team too. But first I want to talk about the National League with the Reds because the Reds have an abundance of talent. They're sitting right now at 15 and 16. The Reds have players, Moustakis. They've got Cassianos. They've got some thump in that order, okay? Uh, I know Joey Votto's on the IL right now, but they've also theoretically got some really good pitching, and they got a lot of good pitching in the pipeline. So the bullpen's been their undoing for the first six weeks of the season, there's no doubt. But Luis Castillo's kind of got to get right. I mean, I think he's been one of the bigger disappointments across baseball so far because Luis Castillo has been a player that you look at, you say, well, he's an ace. He's the guy that should be anchoring this rotation. Meanwhile, I'd rather have Tyler Molly, Sonny Gray. I'd rather have all these guys going out there instead of him right now, the way he's been pitching. And it starts to beg the question, is there an injury? Is there something wrong here with Castillo that he's trying to pitch through? He's had some bad stretches in the past where he's been more hittable. But right now, he just doesn't look like himself. Maybe it's confidence. I don't know what it is. But all I know is that if he doesn't turn it around, the Reds are in for a disappointing season because I think they do need him at that top of that rotation because I don't know what you're going to get from Tyron Molly when he hits 125 innings. I don't know if Sonny Gray can withstand 30 starts. These are all very important questions. 
And then over on the other side, I think the Twins have been a little disappointing for me so far too. You know, the Twins are 12 and 20, despite the fact Byron Buxton's played out of his mind. And now Buxton's on the IL. Maeda hasn't pitched well. Nelson Cruz hasn't been the Nelson Cruz that we're quite used to, even though he got off to a hot start in the beginning of the year. So the Twins have a lot of questions to ask themselves. They're kind of in a weird spot. We'll see if they can turn things around. And we'll be back to turn things around for the end of the show right here on Sports Crew. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back into Diamond Bets, and my apologies to our producer Chris Kofsky and Parker over in Kansas City. They put me in a timeout. My apologies, I was wrong. Joe, I apologize to you as well. I was just trying to have a little fun. Anyway, it's now time for three outs. Let's say three things that we're watching for in this upcoming week. You go first. I was sad emoji while you were gone, and now oh. I'm hard eyes emoji that you've returned. All right, I'm looking forward to seeing if the Cardinals can separate a little bit more from the Brewers, kind of kick them when they're down. They're going to face their three best starting pitchers. If they can come out with two wins or maybe even three, I think it's going to really set the tone potentially for that division for the rest of the year. No Christian Yelich, bad news for the Brewers. So I got my eye on that. What are you looking for this week, Matt, when you're looking at Major League Baseball? I'm looking to see a correction overall in the league as a wagerer, and I think it starts with the San Francisco Giants. It just doesn't seem to me like they have enough to sustain this, and as they correct, I think it'll be a nice pulse for the rest of the league, at least the National League. Yeah, we just talked about that. Those Giants, they, they've played well. you got to give them credit. They're a good baseball team. They've pitched well. They play defense. They're hitting the baseball. Yeah. I don't know if they can keep it up. I don't know if they can compete when all is said and done, but I guess if you just stay healthy nowadays, you got as good a chance as anybody. And True. last thing for me, Francisco Lindor getting hot. Uh, Matt, I mentioned to you, <clears throat> historically, he's not a good starter anyway. Go mm -hmm. back and look at his career OPS in April. It's the lowest usually of any month for him. He'll be fine. Everybody just needs to take a deep breath. He hit well this weekend. Everything's going to be fine, right, Matt? Tell me Lindor is going to be fine, right? Please tell me. He, he, listen, he's the player that the back of his baseball card tells you that he is. And I've said this to people throughout April when he was missing, ride the trend and take the under. Once he gets hot, start riding it the other way. This is one of the elite players in the league. Come on, man. In spite of the fact that he wears a Met uniform. <laughs> well, and that FanDuel algorithm, too, dropped all the way to 2.7 on him coming into Friday's game. So, wow. again, take advantage when great players get cheap buy in all right that'll do it for us i want to thank our whole crew and wish everybody a happy mother's day from matt striker and myself we'll see you next time kids Bye.